the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I cannot prove what I'm about to say, but I believe one of the reasons why Hamas struck when they did was they knew that I was working very closely with the Saudis and others in the region to bring peace to the region by having recognition of Israel and Israel's right to exist. After five years of doing this, I thought I'd seen it all, that my mind has been boggled, my ghast has been flabbered far too many times, but I was wrong. To have the current incumbent of the White House make the slaughter of 1,400 innocents about himself? What kind of human being does that? What's the truth about what happened almost 60 days ago in the Middle East? Who's responsible? How do we deal with it? And can the historic Abraham Accords be resurrected after the election of 2024? Let's talk to the man who has all the answers because he was there at the creation the President's Man in Jerusalem, a good friend of America First, Ambassador David Friedman. Welcome back to Salem. Thank you, Seb. Good to be with you again. Can I, can I just start with this? I know you've seen the President recently. Uh, you're going to share with us uh, his reaction to the events in, in Israel. But just your response to just that statement from the White House that the October 7th attacks occurred because the Biden administration was going to close the peace deal in the Middle East. You know, he began by saying, I can't prove this. And, uh, and, and that's because there is no proof. There's no evidence that that's the case. And frankly, if there had been evidence, given the uh, intelligence gathering capabilities of America and Israel, there would be some evidence. Here's the, here are the facts. The facts are that Hamas uh, was planning this attack for two years, right, long, long before the words Israel and Saudi Arabia were ever put together in the same sentence by Joe Biden. And and the reason why Hamas succeeded on October 7th and not any other day before is because that's the day they succeeded. They've been trying to do it uh, every day of Hamas's existence. Hamas's charter uh, requires that they kill every Jew in Israel and elsewhere as well. When they finish the Jews, come after everybody else as well. Um, they succeeded because they, they succeeded, because unfortunately, uh, there was a colossal failure in the intelligence and the defense establishment within Israel. And they got through a fence that hadn't been breached, despite many, many, many attempts over the last 50 years. So um, that's Hamas. Whenever they would have gotten through, they would have gotten through. It had nothing to do with Joe Biden or Saudi Arabia. It had to do with the, the singular goal of Hamas to destroy Israel the Jewish people, and then the rest of the free world. Yeah, 
Yeah. Let, let's um, remind everybody what you and uh, the president's team, Jared and Jason, achieved. You've uh, chronicled all of it in your book, Sledgehammer, that I warmly re- recommend to everybody, how breaking with the past brought peace to the Middle East. I, I've recounted here in front of my, my listeners how when, um, when the president's son-in-law was given that thankless task of being uh, the man to broker peace, I, I said to Jared, I said, Jared, look, I've been doing national security for more than 20 years. Can I help you out? Can I give you a briefing on who the bad guys are, who the good guys are, how the IDF functions? And he said to me, Seb, I really appreciate it, but I've got to learn for myself. I've got to take the brick bats and find out for you more, myself. And I said, okay, Jared, it's going to be painful, but off you go. And off he did. And with your assistance, with Jason and the president's backing, you guys closed the deal. So everybody needs to read Sledgehammer. But Ambassador Friedman, can you explain how you did what you did, how it was a a jettisoning of how we did things in the past or how the swamp did things, and just the historic significance of the Accords? Well, the Accords, and I think, you know, I think who put it best was um, the foreign minister of, uh, of the United Arab Emirates, Sheikh Abdullah. What he, the way he describes the Accords is, is this way. He says that, um, with, with, with some notable exceptions like Russia and Ukraine, the, the battles of the 21st century are not battles between countries. They're battles within countries of competing ide- ideologies. Yeah. It's, the, it's, for example, the, 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 con- the conflict between radical Islamic extremists and the, and, and the Islamic moderates and, and the rest of the moderates around the world. Now, look, we have that problem in America have the problem in the UAE and Egypt and Saudi Arabia, you have it in Israel. And the Abraham Accords was a victory for the moderates over the extremists. That's what it really represents at its core. And that's why it's still, you know, around today. That's why these accords are holding, because they, the, the Gulf countries in Morocco understand that Israel is engaged in a battle with an enemy. That's the same enemy of all of them. It's the radical Islamists that threaten Israel, but they also threaten the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Morocco, and elsewhere. So that's the Abraham Accords, and that's why they're going to hold, because the, 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 um, the, the, the competing um, conflicts that continue to exist today are the ones that the Abraham Accords collectively seeks to address. So, you know, that's, that's the good news. I mean, the, the bad news is that, for some reason, um, our own country, uh, you know, both, you know, the Biden administration and a number of elected leaders don't appreciate that. They think that somehow the way to solve the battle of Islamic extremism is to hand over land to those extremists, to give them the opportunity for statehood, to allow them to build an army, to build you know, further infrastructure to harm you know, those of us in the moderate world. And, and, and they couldn't be more wrong. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Uh, how much of that success with multiple nations in a very truncated uh, period of time, how much was that a function directly of who the man at the uh, resolute desk in the Oval Office was? Oh, it was a, it was it was the, the single most important factor. Look, you know, I you know, um, I, I was with President Trump uh, a couple of days ago. We talked about this. And, you know, uh, the one thing uh, above all else that I always admired about him was his ability to to read an adversary. You know, his instincts are superb when it comes to sizing up the people he's dealing with. And, you know, when I met with him, you know, a couple of days ago, uh, the first thing he said to me is, you know, he was deeply moved by the footage. You know, he had seen a lot of the footage of what happened on October 7th. And, you know, his reaction was, look, you cannot make a deal with these people. You just can't. It's not possible. These are bloodthirsty, barbaric, you know, subhuman beings. I'm, I'm not quoting him. I'm just that that was the gist of what he said. And I think he um, I think he recognized what you know, what I've recognized for years, having been on the ground there. But we've talked about that in the past. There are people within the um, within the Muslim world who can be great friends of America and great friends of Israel. And we need to embrace them and we need to, you know, advance what we did with the Abraham Accords. There are others who threaten the the, the moderate uh, Muslim world, who threaten Israel, and there's just not a negotiation there to be had. Yeah. There's not, you know, anything other than, you know, conquest, defeat, that's going to make this area a safer place. And I think President Trump recognizes that. He recognized that, you know, uh, in, in our defeat of ISIS. Um, I think he recognized that in, in not cutting and running on Afghanistan the way Biden did. Uh, I think he recognized that in his... Um, uh, incredibly uh, successful and important attack on Qasem Soleimani, where he assassinated, you know, the the, the world's greatest, uh, most lethal terrorist. He sent all the right signals, and his actions backed that up. And that's why we didn't have any wars, any new wars, during his four years of uh, of his presidency. And that's why we actually not only do we have no wars, but we actually made peace with, between Israel and and in the moderate, you know, Sunni nations. Yeah, that's. That's the pres- that was the president's approach from the day he, he got into office. And it's exactly the opposite of what uh, Joe Biden, where Joe Biden is taking in the country. This is allegedly a former admiral who, um, well, this is what he says about American hostages. Any possibility that Americans will be among the 20 that we release over the next few days? Well, we certainly hope so. I mean, we're going to watch this very, very closely. We're certainly hoping that a- another batch of uh, hostages gets released today as part of the fourth and final day of the original agreement. Um, we're going to be watching closely to see if any Americans are in that group. We're hoping, we're watching, we're America. I think that clip tells you everything you need to know. Bernie Sanders wants to condition aid to Israel, our most important ally in the Middle East and the only democracy, a nation which is fighting for its very existence and doing it all it can, more than any other nation at war, to avoid civilian casualties. How shameful. Instead, how about conditioning USA to UNRWA, which President Trump ended but Biden restored, until it ends 
the practice of teaching Palestinians to hate Jews. Um, Ambassador Friedman, where, where, how did we arrive at a point where we don't have moral clarity on these issues amongst the political elite of the nation. It's, one, it's, it's, it's incredibly disturbing, but it's one thing for, you know, idiot 20-year-olds uh, on university campus to shout from the river to the sea and not realize that's actually a call for genocide. But for the senator from Vermont to say that somehow we should be weakening Israel's capacity to fight for its very survival? Yeah, imagine, first of all, imagine this. They're in the middle of a war. Uh, a war for their very existence. They depend heavily now on, on, a, on American assistance. It's their most important, sometimes their only ally uh, in the entire world. And as they're fighting this war, they're going to have to bring along a bunch of lawyers to tell them whether or not what they're doing is consistent with whatever, you know, the restrictions, the legalese that Bernie Sanders wants to put on the on the funds. I mean, this is just not the, the right time for it. And at the same time, you know, we're America is 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 financing it's financing not just financing you know Hamas but financing the Hamas ideology you know we cut off funding to UNRWA as soon as we saw okay, let's UNRWA, see, for those who aren't familiar with with the dip- yeah. diplomatic terms what is UNRWA UNRWA is a is a fund it's an it's an organization created by the United Nations that's purpose is to resettle refugees now, um, it, it, among other things, it is it is the oldest refugee organization in the world. Almost every other refugee organization finishes its work yeah. in about four or five years. UNRWA has been around since the 1950s, right? It's it's it exists not only to 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 foment hate, but to create this status, refugee status, to help really to maintain a, a certain level of hatred by Palestinians against, against Israel. And, and, and it's the people. only one of its ilk, I was doing some research on it, where, where you have multiple generations of individuals who are all deemed to be refugees. It's quite perverse. It's perverse. You, you could be a, uh, a Palestinian plastic surgeon living in Beverly Hills and still qualify for assistance under UNRWA. That's how ridiculous this is. But in the Gaza Strip, you know, UNRWA spends most of their money and they fund most of the educational institutions. Now, a typical third grade play uh, sponsored by UNRWA, you take half the kids and you dress them up as Jews. Yeah. Uh, you put them on, you know, yarmulkes and you sometimes they, they put on, you know, big noses just to be, you know, especially insulting. And then the other half dresses up as Hamas terrorists and they give them these, uh, these fake uh, rifles. And the, the terrorists all shoot the Jews the Jews lie down on the floor, dead, and the parents get up and applaud. I mean, this is what America is spending its money on. And so we cut it out as soon as we saw that. You know, again, President Trump uh, doesn't take he, he gets it, you know, on the first, you know, gets it on the first take. You know, he immediately understood this is not a place where America should be investing its taxpayer dollars. So um, we cut it out. Now, as soon as we left office, uh, the Biden administration restored it. And so America is funding institutions that treat that teach Palestinian kids to hate Jews and to hate Israelis. What could be more, you know, what could be, what, what's a more cynical practice than that? What's a what is a, a less appropriate use of hard earned taxpayer dollars than UNRWA 
and uh, and of course we're we're funding it now uh, in greater amounts than 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 even uh, the Obama administration. I mean, it's 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 shameful. And it explains why the latest polling from Gaza finds that more than two-thirds of the populace, not Hamas members, two-thirds of the populace agree that Israel has no right to exist. But let me share with you a story. When, when we took our listeners to Israel last year, we had an amazing, such an impressive man, young man as our guide to the excavations of the City of David under Jerusalem, a stunning visit. And he said something to me, because he does a lot of relations with Congress. He comes here, he, he lobbies on behalf of the excavation, the antiquities. And he said, <laughs> he said you, you have to understand, Sebastian, what it's like to be an Israeli or what it's like to be Israel in the last 10 years. Because we look at America and we think you're a schizophrenic. For eight years under Obama, you treated us like lepers. You created the Iran deal to give aid and succor to Iran. And then along comes President Trump, and he's moving the embassy, recognizing Jerusalem. Um, I guess you can sympathize with our Israeli brethren thinking that Amer official America <clears throat> is rather bipolar. Yeah, by the way... Um I think you're talking about my friend uh, Zev Orenstein, who was at my house yesterday, by the way. Oh, my gosh. I, I am indeed. I talk about Zev, a very, very, very talented young man. Yeah, so he was by yesterday. We had a, we had a drink together. Um, but you know what? It's not it, – it's you're absolutely right. The, the perspective uh, from Israel of Obama and then Trump and then Biden is somewhat schizophrenic. But isn't that true of almost every other aspect of, of America as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we go from open border to closed border to open border. We go from, um, you know, lousy economy to great economy to uh, lousy economy. We go from low inflation to high inflation. You know, I mean, it, it just seems that everything that uh, that could go wrong has gone wrong since President Trump left office under the new administration. And so, yeah, it's true of Israel, but it's true of almost the, the, the entire world that it shows you how consequential the American president is. He can make the world a far better, safer, more prosperous place, or he can do exactly the opposite. And unfortunately, uh, our, our collective uh, choice in uh, 2020 has led us to where we are today. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, add one more story, and I think we should get Zev on the show. He gave us this <laughs> private tour, long tour, like maybe an hour and a half, two hours, and walking from one half of the excavation to another, we passed a kindergarten, and he very subtly or unsubtly stopped our group there in front of this place where, you know, young kids uh, learn to love America, uh, learn to love Israel, and he said, what, why is it? that it looks as if you're teaching your children to hate America. Uh, it was hard, hard to say anything to him in response, and doubly so after what we've witnessed in the last six weeks in America, when we see Jewish, Jewish students, Ambassador, ripping down the posters at Boston College of kidnapped Israeli children. Um, very, very hard to gainsay what Zev said to us. Look, we've, we've, we've failed our kids. I mean, it's, there's no other way to put it. We have, we have failed. We have, um, uh, I mean, I'm not 
just to be clear, I'm not speaking about my five kids who are great, nothing like that at all. But as a as a as a nation, we failed our kids. Look at the look at the future leaders of our country coming out of the most elite universities. Right. I mean, college students have always been dumb, right? Damn they. I mean, being dumb as a college student is not is not particularly noteworthy, but so dumb and so ignorant and so unwilling to uh to, to consider critically yeah. you know any yeah. any any narrative i mean they just accept the narratives that fit within their own biases and and no willingness notwithstanding these universities all standing for critical theory and critical analysis and right. and discourse no, right. nothing we, it's just we have it's, our, it's we so, have our work cut out for us it was uh, certainly been um a day i would say an emotionally difficult day uh, to see the places where people were murdered. I just did a talk with the, the Prime Minister, and um, I think there's, I mean, obviously there, there are three things that need to happen uh, in, in the Gaza situation. I mean, there's no choice but to kill those who insist on uh, murdering civilians. There's no exactly. choice. What an anti-Semite. I'm so confused. I thought uh, Elon Musk was meant to be anti-Semitic, like all of us in the Trump administration as well, especially the man whose uh, son-in-law is Jewish and whose grandchildren are Jewish. Just the calumny of the last six years is an outrage to all decent people. That is, of course, Elon Musk saying, yep, if you're going to attack civilians, if you're going to murder civilians, rape women at concerts, bake babies alive, you've got to be killed. I, post, I used that as inspiration for my tweet this morning. Yes, I demand a ceasefire once every single terrorist, rapist, and baby killer is dead. Then we can have a ceasefire. Once all the terrorists are dead, fine. Well, consider it then, or rather Israel can consider it. It's rather unusual, but I find it quite refreshing to hear uh, an individual who's uh, from the tech sector, very successful CEO, the owner of one of the most important social media platforms out there, have such moral clarity on an issue of geopolitical import that, uh, is there one more important than that? Because this is a civilizational war. Do we need more such moral clarity from people who aren't politicians, but who have big platforms we do we do look kudos to elon musk i thought that was um a, a really a really uh great shot in the arm for israel i think uh i think the israelis are deeply appreciative i think his moral clarity is appreciated uh, again let's it's 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 a shame that we've reached a point in our civilization where we have to congratulate people yeah. for recognizing that you know baby killers and rapists and murderers should be condemned. I mean, it's 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 shocking that we have to do that. But Elon Musk certainly uh, did did that and more, and he has this massive uh, platform. So we're grateful for that. We're not hearing it uh, from other platforms. I'm, I'm not seeing it from some of the other big names who uh, who have big platforms. Certainly not seeing it uh, from Hollywood the way no. I would have expected. Um, you know, many people who have uh, you know worked on. Uh, on, on films, you know, Holocaust films, uh, you know, who you would expect to be uh, front and center here. Um, maybe I've missed it, but I haven't seen the kind of uh, outpouring of support for Israel uh, and its existential, existential crisis that I would have hoped for. So, yeah, look, um, the, the, there's been a lot, way too much silence from the, uh, the, the, the Twitterverse or from the, the social media world, from TikTok. I mean, it's, 
Um, and, and it's enabled. What it's enabled, you know. I, I, did you see that? What happened at Oakland last night? Uh, you know, I, I was going to mention it. That the idea that Oakland County Council, Oakland, uh, is demanding a permanent, a permanent ceasefire when it's one of the most oh, most a permanent ceasefire in, in in the Middle East when it's one of the most violent parts of California. It's it's. It's comedy dell'arte. It's absurdity. And, you know, one person after another is getting up and saying the rapes never happened. The beheadings never happened. The slaughter never happened. Uh, this is all either a complete you know, conspiracy or Israel itself committed these atrocities on its own citizens. Now, imagine what it's like, you know, living in Israel, seeing these people come out and say yeah. these kinds of things. Now, I just put out a tweet. I said, look, you folks on the squad who these people seem to admire. You know, we, we're not going to agree on, on what flows from those atrocities. But you guys all have, you know, congressional access to information. You know these things happened. You know with certainty that these atrocities occurred. Get out on, with your megaphones and at least say Israel suffered these atrocities and there is no excuse for them. They should be condemned. You want to talk about, you know, your politics later, but don't allow yeah. this this ever growing population to get away with denying that everything what we know with certainty happened. Let, don't let them deny it. I mean, it's it's just outrageous and extremely painful for the Israelis and for the victims in particular. What? effect does all of this have on the state of Israel ambassador? I, I, I trust that they will do what needs to be done. They will crush their enemies, salt the earth. But, but surely it doesn't make it easier when the nation that could help them the most has loud voices that say none of it really happened or in, important people. I think Zuckerberg's Jewish. He hasn't said anything. Important people staying silent. Does this affect Israel's capacity to do what needs to be done? To some extent, it makes them even more determined because, you know, if if there's no one coming to their assistance, they just hunker down and uh, and, and recognize that they have it to do it themselves. Um, look, um, there's not going to be another Holocaust. And, and the people of Israel, whatever whatever failures were committed by the government of Israel that led to this, and, and there were serious failures, and they're going to have to be addressed uh, when this is all over. The people of Israel are amazing. They, they are rising to the occasion. Those who can fight are fighting. Those who are not, you know, who, who, who are too old to fight or are not able to fight are doing something. The, the amount of, of service, of public service within that country right now is getting close to 100 percent. Everybody's doing something. Yeah. And they're going to they're going to persevere because they, they are made of the of the substance that's necessary to defeat Hamas. With or without the United States, but what a shame, what a, what a tragedy if America is not there by their side. Because not only is it, is it morally the right thing to do, but it's essential to our own national security as well. Yeah, just the initial figures after October the 7th was so incredibly uh, heartwarming that the uh, reservists, they had something like 150% mobilization yeah. rate because, you know, guys in their 50s and 60s who are, you know, not required to serve were saying, I want to kill terrorists, I want justice for Israel. Yeah. Uh, that's as it should be. Irrespective of political color, that's how it should work. First, there's one condition, one condition for anything that could happen and the good things that could happen once this war is over. And that condition is that Hamas must be destroyed.
Hamas must be destroyed. Taking a leaf out of the book of ancient Rome, Carthago de Lenda Est. Carthage must be destroyed. Now it's the bloodthirsty savages that are Hamas. I trust in Israel, my Israeli friends, the administration, the IDF, Mossad, Shimbet, they will do what needs to be done. What happens then? What happens if we do our part and we get President Trump back in the White House? Uh, what then? Um, give us some good news amongst this this bleak, bleak outlook. Can the Abraham uh, Accords be be resurrected? Can it be added to? Can we can we rebuild what you and the president built? Yeah, I think we can, and I think the Abraham Accords, uh, the concept is 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 what we have to embrace. Look, um, Hamas doesn't just disappear, uh, as as you pointed out. They are the most popular. Um, organization in the Gaza Strip. And regrettably, they're also overwhelmingly the most popular organization in the West Bank. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, you know, so this idea that Biden has of getting rid of Hamas and bringing in the Palestinian Authority, which has about a 17 percent approval rating. And, and and even with that, you know, they're entirely corrupt and they uh, they pay. They have a pension plan which pays terrorists to kill Jews. The more Jews yeah. you kill, the higher the pension you get. So this is not, you know, like we have to have patience and we can't ask Israel to do something, you know, uh, precipitously. They have to root out Hamas completely. And it's not just it's not going to happen in a month. It's not going to happen in two months. What we need to do in America, we need to provide uh, a carrot and a stick to the Palestinian uh, population. We need to say, OK, all you folks that want to kill, um, kill Israelis, or you want to kill Americans, or you want to continue this fight? That's fine. Israel's going to kill you first. Okay, we're not going to we're not going to continue. We're not going to negotiate with you. Yeah. You guys want to kill Israel? We're going to tell Israel kill you first. Yeah. The rest of you, and we hope that's a large portion of you. The rest of you that wants to live in peace, let's work on a way to build infrastructure, to build schools, to build hospitals, to build industry, so you can live with a level of dignity that's that's common to the but, Israeli Arab citizens. But not schools where they teach the children to be terrorists. We've been talking to Ambassador David Friedman. We need him back in the Middle East. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This has been America First. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.